Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, the power of hope, the power of hope. And so I want you to, um, I'm going to give you some scriptures in just a moment, but right now I just want you to close your eyes and I want to just pray that the Holy Spirit will do what he does best in this room. Lord, you, you know who's listening and you know who's here. You know who has lost their dreams and their hopes. You know, Lord, who is struggling with their emotions right now. God, you know the lies the enemy has told us. And God, you know the emotional roller coaster that that brings. But I pray, Lord, that regardless of where we find ourselves, whether we're on the mountain or the valley, but I pray, Lord, that regardless of where we find ourselves, that we will find ourselves before this night is over in a place of hope. So I pray, Lord, that you'll make this your classroom, speak to the heart of your people. And I pray, Lord, that tonight will be a message that will not just stain us, but will fill us with joy and peace and love in this time of the year where we're celebrating all the goodness of God in our life and how thankful we are for it. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so I'm going to put on the pastor's hat tonight, and I want to talk to you a little bit. Here's a question I want to ask you. My first question is, what do you dream about? I'm not talking about just your spiritual dreams, and I'm not talking about, I'm asking you, what are you dreaming about? What do you want to do with your life? If you ever let that glimmer go out, that glimmer of hope go out in your life, you're going to find yourself in a place of despair. You should always be looking forward to something. And that's so important. The minute you quit looking forward to something, you find yourself in this cave of despair, and the next thing you know, you're in a place of depression, and then the room caves in on you. You start turning out the lights and closing the shades, and the next thing you know, you live in a place that gets smaller and smaller and smaller in the world you're in to a place that you can't see beyond tomorrow. Now, I don't claim to be a therapist, but I can tell you one of the therapies that therapists do use is this that people who are depressed need to take long walks outside. And the reason they take those long walks is because there's something that happens to your brain, your mind, when you can look far into the future. Because depressed people don't do that. They sit in a room by themselves and they, they feel sorry for themselves and they, 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 they groan and moan about all the things they don't have in their life. And what happens is that the room gets smaller and smaller and darker and darker till they can't get out. And so opening the door, one of the first things you do if you're, if you're rescuing someone in an intervention is you go in and open the shades and open the doors and let in fresh air. And you think, wow, that, that doesn't sound like therapy, but there's something amazing about seeing further down the road than where you're at. There's something amazing about finding hope in a place where you can't seem to see the future. So what are you dreaming about? What are your goals? What, what, are you, what do you want to do with your life? Are you just waiting to die or are you just waiting for another election? I, I feel sorry for you if you are. are. What are you waiting on? What's it going to take for you to feel better about your life? What are you waiting on to happen? Sometimes we don't know the answer to that. So you have to dream. You have to have, you have to have hope for your future. Hope is the first step to changing your life. You may not know everything to do, and you may not know all the doors that are going to open, but hope is the very first step. If you don't like the world you're living in, determine tonight that's going to change. And hope is the beginning of that. Hope is the key that unlocks that door that says, I don't have to keep living like this. 
I don't have to keep thinking this way. I don't have to keep being this unhealthy or this toxic in my heart or this toxic in my mind. So hope is the beginning to everything that you're wanting God to do in your life. It's the very beginning. In 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. led a march for civil freedom in Washington, D.C. And he literally started a revolution on one thought, I have a dream. He didn't have a solution, but he had a dream. And enough people started dreaming that dream that they rose up and made a difference because hope was born in a place where there was no hope. This revolution started by one man saying, I have a vision, I have a dream that tomorrow can be better than today. You know what a parent's real job is? It's not just keeping kids alive and fed and clothed. Now that's important, I'll tell you that. It is important. Don't let them go out unfed or unclothed. That's gonna be a disaster. But a parent's role is not just to feed kids and hopefully get them raised to get out of the house. No, a parent's role is to instill hopes and dreams in their child so that when they are an adult, they're strong. Can I tell you something as a father? Don't you dare raise a weak child. Don't you hover over them so much that you make them weak. Let them live. Let them breathe. Let them spread their wings. Let them fly. Don't make them weak so you can keep a friend. You need to empower your children with hope so they can live their life strong and looking forward to something. When children leave the nest, they should be ready to fly. They should not leave there scared and have to hide out in mom and dad's basement because they don't know what to do with their life. No, parenting is about instilling hopes and dreams in another generation. Coach's role, a coach's role is to cause a team to have so much hope and dream so big that he can turn a group that's practicing together into a group that's winning together. Even if you're not a winner, your coach can make you think you are to the point that you can go out and win even if you didn't believe you could win the day before. That's their job, instilling hopes and dreams. A pastor's role is to instill enough hopes and dreams inside of you to make you believe that the abundant life is life in Christ. And I hope that I convince you of that. If, if, it, if I haven't, then I'm not through yet because I want you to know that living with Christ is better than living without Christ. That living in the abundant life of Christianity is far better than out there living for yourself or on your own. A pastor's role is to instill hopes and dreams that life in Christ is the best possible choice you could ever make in your life here. A teacher's role is to instill hopes and dreams through knowledge and discovery to let you know that through books and videos and learning that there's a world out there that you didn't even know existed and you leave that classroom wanting to do something with your life because that teacher instilled those hopes and dreams inside of you. When newlyweds get married, they're, they're fueled not just by love, but by hopes. Things they're gonna do. Families they're gonna have. Things they're gonna do together. They're dreaming. I'll never forget when, you know, this may sound, you may think I'm a sissy after I tell you this, but it, it happened. When Faith and I put up our first Christmas tree, I cried. 
And I've never cried putting up a Christmas tree. But it was because it meant something that me and the redhead, you know, in our early 20s, you know, we, we could barely afford a Christmas tree. The truth is, we, we have a Christmas tree now that has all of our first ornaments on there, and we don't show up to too many people because you would really feel sorry for us. We put toys and things we made, homemade things. We didn't have enough money to decorate a tree. But when we got our first tree up, it was ours. It wasn't mom and dad's. It wasn't, it was ours. And the fact that it was ours meant that our life had a great future. Newlyweds start out dreaming. That's what life is about, is dreaming that tomorrow is gonna be better than today. That's what vision casting looks like. Families are, are built on hope. Revolutions are built on hope. Nations, armies are built on the fact that you can make life better. Well, there's the power in hoping. There's a great power in just hoping. So I wanna ask you again, what are you dreaming about? Don't let your life get in this downward spiral where you stop dreaming or you stop making goals or you stop looking for life to get better. The day you're convinced, the day you buy into all of these crazy conspiracy theories is the day that you're going to think there's nothing else to live for. But I want to tell you something bigger than a conspiracy theory, and that is the plan of Almighty God who is on the throne, who is not. I am, I am believing that the plan of God is going to override some of the things that we hear in this life. Yeah, I know the world is bad, but it's not so bad that God can't reach it. I understand that this this world is in a mess, but I believe revival can still change that. I believe in miracles. I believe in the divine move of God. There has got to be hope as long as we are in Christ Jesus. Mary Ash worked 25 years in the corporate world, and she finally gave up hope because in the 60s when she was coming up in corporate America, there was no place for a woman. And they told her, you cannot be a corporate officer. So Mary Ash could never rise higher than working for a man. And so at, after 25 years of giving, giving them ideas and, and solving problems for them, she decided that she was going to create a company for women to work in. And everyone thought she was crazy, so she quit her job. She had only been able to save $5,000 as all she could save toward her retirement in those 25 years because she never could earn a good, a good wage. So Mary Ash was sitting at her kitchen table with the support of her husband, dreaming that she was going to build this first company ran and operated by women. And then her husband died at the table of a heart attack. Here is a woman who's now 45 years old. Her husband is dead. She has no job and she has spent all of her life savings and, and, and she had every reason to quit every reason to be depressed, but she had hope and dreams that if she could fail forward into the hands of a loving God, she put her hope in God and said, God, even though I'm failing, I'm gonna fail forward. And failing forward means you're gonna catch me and that something good is gonna come out of something bad. And she pursued the dream and she did not use her, her last name when she built her company. She used her middle name. You probably don't know who Mary Ash is, but you've probably heard of Mary Kay before because her name was Mary Kay Ash and she built the first female a multi-million dollar company in this nation and made millionaires out of lots of women because one woman said, I'm not gonna let the setbacks of life rob me of what I know my potential is. I have hope. 
and there's power in hope. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you and God bless you. And may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to hope in the word. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about hope. The first thing the Bible tells us is something that we've probably all read many times in the hope chapter, which is Hebrews 11, verse one says, now faith is the substance of things what? There you go. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you know what that really means? That means, you know, I've seen people try to psych themselves into faith. I believe, I believe, I believe. It's like the little engine that could thing, you know. Chugga, 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 chugga. Yes, yeah, now I believe God, make it happen. I don't have any doubt in these two seconds, so it has to happen right now. That's not what faith looks like. No, faith looks like one thing. Your spirit has faith and your soul has hope. Faith looks like one thing. I believe, I have hope. If you feel hope, I'm believing God for a, a miracle in my life and I have hope that it's gonna happen. That's faith. I'm believing God for a healing and I have hope that that healing is gonna happen. That's faith. So God gives you this emotion to gauge something spiritual by. So faith is not a psychological trip. Faith is something that you know you either have it or you don't have it because you have hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So he puts hope in there to let you understand. Now listen, he says, he says that not only is faith the substance of things hoped for, he says in verse two that by it the elders obtained a good report. Now how did they do that? It says he gives you this list of all of these people and not only the hall of faith, but also the hall of hope. He gives you this list of people that should not have succeeded. It looks like some of them even failed, like Abel. Looks like Abel failed, right? but his blood kept crying out. So even, even though his brother took him out, it never stopped his mission. He kept on believing. And so he is in the hall of faith because the Lord said Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses, and he goes right on down this line that these are people that, stood, that started out on a journey of hope. Can you imagine Abraham when God says, you can never own land, you gotta live in a tent the rest of your life and you gotta talk your wife into this job? And she's gotta move around, you can never own any anything because everywhere you walk, I'm going to give it to your children. He was a hundred years old and had no children and he still walked everywhere he went because the Lord said, you walk as far as you can because everywhere you walk, I'm going to give, I'm going to give this land to your children. And can I tell you the children of Abraham still own that land of this very day because this man walked out a walk of hope. And so the, this, this whole Chapter 11 of Hebrews is filled with all of these people that did these dynamic things because of one thing. They really believed that God was gonna come through if they walked in obedience. So listen to what it says in verse three. All of these died in the faith, not having received the promise, but having seen it where? Afar off, that's what hope does. Hope sees the future. Hope says tomorrow is better than today. Turn to somebody and say tomorrow is gonna be better than today. That's hope. You gotta believe that. You have to make it better. You have to believe that. Turn to somebody and say, this Thanksgiving is gonna be better than last Thanksgiving. All right? 
Now you gotta make that happen. Don't sit around waiting on somebody else to make it happen. You make it happen, come on. You have to be filled with hope. You have to see something that's further down the road than where you are. That's what hope looks like. They saw something afar off. And look at this. They were assured of them, embraced them, confessed them. They knew they were pilgrims and strangers on this earth. And people who say such things declare plainly that they're seeking a homeland that is not of this world. Every one of these people knew they might die before their answer came, but they also believed they would be resurrected and they would come back and see it. And can I tell you, in the millennial reign of Christ, you know who's going to be walking this land? Abraham's going to be back. Sarah's going to be back. Isaac and Jacob, they're coming back. They're going to walk the land again. Even though they died in the faith, one of these days, their hope is still going to be made alive because the Bible says they died in the faith, but they believed it up until the day they drew their last breath. Yeah, I know what it looks like, but I serve a great big God. I don't know how it's going to happen. Do you know that when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac, Isaac, Abraham said, I will kill my son because I believe that God can raise him back to life again. He, he wasn't just killing his own because God had given him this promise of this. He was going to be an heir of nations and his descendants would be like the, the sands of the seashore and the stars of the sky. And Abraham said, if God wants me to kill my only son, I will kill my son, believing that God will resurrect him. Not only did he believe in that resurrection, but he didn't realize that was a type and shadow of another resurrection where the Father would give his Son and bring hope to all mankind. If your hope is in the Lord, you have an anchor for your soul. Don't give up on life as long as you're serving the, uh, serving the God of hope. Amen. So hope is an anchor. Now look at this. We looked at hope is this feeling that lets us know we have faith. I have faith because I feel hopeful. And that lets me know that my faith is working. If you don't have hope, you might not have faith, all right? So that's how that works. It's an indicator. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a registrar. It's a temperature. It's, it's a thermometer that says, okay, I have hope. That means I have faith, all right? But understand this. Faith in what? Faith in government? Hmm. Faith in doctors? Hmm. You know, faith in... Everybody else, maybe sometimes, sometimes, you know, people are fickle. Have you figured that out yet? Even people you love are fickle. And, and some days it's good and some days it's not so good. And, you know, that's not where your faith is. No, faith is in the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God that no matter what happens or what someone does to me or where I find myself in life, I serve a God who can pull me out and bring me out and see me through and get me through. That's what faith looks like. So my faith is not in just people. My faith is in the faithfulness of God. I've seen hopeless many times, and I've been to many developing countries. I've walked to the slums of India, and I saw people that only had one pair of underwear to wear, and they were filthy. And I saw where people had no job, didn't know where their food was coming from, and they, they had hopelessness inside of them. I've been in El Salvador slums, and I can just tell you around the world, I've seen what it looks like when people don't have hope of tomorrow, and, and they, they feel hopelessness. But when you serve God, you don't have to let that gleam go out. When you serve God, you don't have to lose the twinkle in your eye of what God is wanting to do in your life. 
This is what hopelessness looks like. Lamentations 3, this is what hopelessness looks like. You have moved my soul far from peace. Okay, let's be honest. Anybody ever felt like that before? I know I have. I have to raise both hands. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. Anybody ever been broke? More times than I want to tell you. Yeah, I st- we, my, Faith and I started out broke. You know, we started out broke. I, I lived my life broke most of my childhood. My family was broke my whole life. And so um, I am far, I have forgotten prosperity. So get this, this is reasons to be down. This is reasons to be hopeless. My soul is far from peace. I've forgotten my prosperity. And I said my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction. Okay, how many of you know that, that, that not having enough money can make you depressed? Not having enough peace in your life, encouragers in your life can make you depressed. And now he's talking about physical problems. Now my strength is gone. How many of you know that physical problems can get you down? And it can wear you out sometimes when you have to deal with that. He said, remember my affliction and roaming. Okay, roaming. What does that look like? That looks like alone. That looks like I have never fit in. I don't care where I go. I always feel alone. You know you can be in a room and still feel alone. You can be in a room full of people. You can, be, you can be at a table where everyone's laughing and you still feel alone because you don't have the kind of connection that you're looking for with someone else. So he says, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my roaming, the wormwood and the gall. That's this bitterness inside of me. So Lord, I've, had, I've been kicked around so much that I'm starting to get angry. And there's a lot of people that are angry whether they're, let, whether they're letting it show or not. Some people explode, some people implode. So some people just seethe on the inside and they never let anybody know really how angry they are. And so he says, the wormwood in my gall, my soul remembers and it sinks within me. All I have to do is think about my life and I get depressed. That's what hopelessness looks for. But do you know that we have not read the rest of this verse? Do you know that if that was all that was written in Lamentations 3, then that would be a good reason to just go home and lock the door and cry yourself to sleep. If that was it, you say, well, Dr. B, that's your text tonight? My goodness, where do we go from here? If that was all he said... Yes, you would have a reason to feel sorry for yourself. If that was all he said, yes, you would have a reason to be depressed. If that was all he said, yes, you would have a reason to not hold your head up and look for the future. But that's not all he said. That's not the end of Lamentation 3. Look at what the next verse says in verse 21. But this I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. I remembered what I've been through, but I also remembered something else. What did he remember? Verse 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes, I've lost a lot, but God still loves me. Yes, I've lost a lot, but I am not alone. God still cares. He is still ordering my steps with his word. Oh yes, if I wanna focus on everything I don't have, I can easily get depressed. But how about everything I still have? How about everything I do have? How about everything God has done for me? Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. And then verse 23, look at this one. They are new 
every morning. That means every, all you got to do is just wake up. I don't care what you're feeling today. All you got to do is wait on the sunrise because look at verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my inheritance, says my soul. He's my portion and therefore I hope in him. As long as God is on the throne, my life can get better. As long as God is hearing prayers, my life can change. As long as there God is in the healing business, my health can improve. As long as God is still blessing, my finances can change. My life can change because my hope is not in what I see, but my hope is in the fact that God's compassionate and he's faithful and every day his faithfulness is renewed in my life. Oh, I like the next verse. We can just go home after reading this next one. The Lord is good to those who wait on him. Well, let's just go drop the mic and go home now. God is good. Do I need to tell you anything else? Do I need to remind you that you serve a good God who gives good gifts to good people and causes good things to happen? Do I need to remind you that all you gotta do is get up in the morning and something good can happen in your life because of the faithfulness and compassion of an almighty God? This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world.